like the craziest stuff like and that's like that they would binge doing is is ordering like one bag of M&Ms like a peanut <laughs> M&Ms like why would you pay 10 bucks to, <laughs> to buy one bag of M&Ms because you didn't want to get up and go welcome to the catch up introducing your hosts Eli Aruth editor and Jeffrey Kutnick CEO and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously of the craziest, most bestest, news-breaking, food-porn-peddling, viral website on the dot-coms. It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy! There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. Alright, and welcome to the catch-up. Shout out to LeBron James, who obviously listens to this podcast. Appreciate you, King. If you could step it up a little bit with our with Why our him, here. though? He's doing fine. It's the rest of your team. No, he's not. He's not doing all right. How? Anyways, I know you guys tuned in here to hear basketball talk, but we got our dear friend, Chef Cheo, joining the what podcast. What up, guys? What up, Thank us? you for having me join this wonderful podcast. <laughs> I get to laugh and argue with some great friends. So it's great. I'm happy. So some of you guys might know that voice, but he's the, the house chef of the FaZe Clan, he's, which is the most followed and arguably the most popular esports team in the world. They're a whole brand. Um, and Shao, his chef skills are what actually got him into, in my opinion, professional esports and ultimately drew him to the FaZe Clan back in the day. Uh, FaZe Clan's almost eight years old. They're over eight years old. Over eight years, yeah, 2010. Yeah, and our interview with him on Food Beast a couple years ago actually crossed two million viewers. So that got me thinking. I was like, we just need to have Cheo on the podcast and talk a little bit more about how the food world and the esports world can collide more. Mm. So Cheo, welcome to the podcast, man. Welcome, Cheo. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. When did your relationship with food start? from a restaurant perspective because uh Um, we know the story from our previous interview of kind of how you got introduced to the clan father figure bring in some organization bring in some real meals and nutrition to the guys but where did your relationship with food from a restaurant perspective my relationship from a food perspective like relationship with restaurants uh i was 15 uh the owner of this breakfast breakfast spot uh they wanted they just they knew my mom and he wanted to help me out get like get some work in so i worked under the table i was cleaning dishes and prepping for breakfast so i would have to break a bunch of eggs with like 200 eggs every morning it was crazy we had Damn. he would drop off the, the crates right in front of me and just say hey get them in this bucket and i was just like oh man <laughs> like that was, for my first day i can still still remember it like i was dreading that i had to be at the restaurant at five in the morning and like once you got in there, it was just like constant work until twelve o'clock, and then he would make you like he would make you your food at the end of the day. Um, but <clears throat> that was my first experience. It was great. Um, taught me how to you know he taught me how to cook breakfast. Um, he taught me like just just being consistent like on how to do things and how to break the egg with one hand and the whole nine. Um, and then from there, uh, this is in Boston. Boston, yeah. So Boston. my hometown, Haverhill, where I grew up, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it was, it was it's 
from there, I worked there for about a year and a half, and then I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't wake up. <laughs> I just didn't want to wake up that early. Dude, wait, so you're going, it's 5 a.m., you're waking up? No, before 5. I had to be at work at 5. Oh, shit. So, and then you go to school after? Like you're 15. It was my, it was my weekend thing. It, oh, was, okay. it wasn't okay. something that I can do during school. Yeah, or, I can't imagine. Um, but it was my weekend, like under the table job that gotcha. got me some cash. So that was job number one? Yes, job number one from the restaurant. Um, and from the restaurant's perspective. And then I, when I was in high school, my one of my favorite pizza spots, uh, Haledale Pizza and Subs, from Haverhill, it was in, based in Haverhill. I started as the delivery boy. And just wanted to know how to, you know, cook some of the stuff. So he taught me how uh, the owner was Paul. He taught me how to make like steak and cheeses, pizzas, and like, you know, the cleaning of the pans. I just, I, I was always doing that with the boxing and just making sure, you know, I clean the pans right and just always be attentive to the food if he was busy. So that's how I learned how to cook stuff like that, like chicken finger subs, cheeseburgers, the whole nine. Um, all the good stuff and it was great you know so that's how I learned how to do all that stuff so like at the end of the day I was able to like make my own pizza in a sense so I would like make like chicken finger pizza (laughs) 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 and I was a growing boy I played basketball football so I was all about like putting as much stuff as I can on my stuff do you ever hook your boys up like uh, every that's legit (laughs) when I would get out of work that's the first thing I would do is make my pizza and then head to my boy's house oh that's what's up yeah um, but that's how I first started with like the restaurant perspective of understanding like how to cook certain foods, and then obviously with my family like cooking like Hispanic food, um, I learned everything from them on that aspect. But <clears throat> yeah, it was Hale uh, Pizza and Subs, and uh, it's called Bradford, uh, Bradford Breakfast, and um, it was awesome. You still go to those places now when you visit back home? Um, I haven't been to Bra- the Bradford breakfast spot but I I I want to say like last year or two years ago I went to Haledale Pizza and Subs and still good or service go downhill oh, since it's, you quit it's, it's always been great <laughs> I can never I can never talk bad about that spot it's, it's, their, their cheeseburger specials are amazing and they're like five dollars five fifty so Damn. you get a full, you know, cheeseburger with fries and a drink for that price. You can't beat it. You got any like crazy delivery stories from when? You, I mean, if you're 15 driving around Boston, well, I mean, when when I was I was like yeah I was at my I was like 17 at the time when I was delivering. Um, I did good. I was making like 500. Like there were some weeks I was making 500 dollars off of tips. Jeez. So it was just I I hustled my ass off trying to get to each place as fast as I can because again like. If you're on time, if you're on time, you, you'll get a decent tip. Time if you're is early, funny, man. If you're early, they're happy. So <laughs> <laughs> if you're late, you don't get nothing. So um, there was this one customer. Every time, I would always make sure I was there as early as I can, and I would get a ten dollar tip, and that's that's awesome. I mean, you can't beat that if you're, you know, a young kid not really having any responsibilities so all i had was my cell phone and i wanted to get nice stuff so i was like i'm gonna try to get as much as i can in the week and i did pretty well for myself any um you ever show up to anyone's house and like was like a really hot girl or something or are those stories um, fake is that just do i just am i just looking at the wrong websites i kind of like i want to i wish i could say i had a like a story where i just <laughs> came back late <laughs> but no i didn't really have any of those uh it was mainly just parents open the door i didn't really have any kids so, that were like or ladies that were hot that was just like oh great i want to come back here every day but <laughs> after your restaurant experience like when when did 
you and your brother start understanding that becoming a part of a clan was real and video game clan guys a video game clan and 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 maybe to go back even further like what is phase clan for our audience and and where 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 and Um, when did it start so phase clan started back in 2010 um it started off as a video game uh call it uh started off back in call of duty where you would have like a gamer tag and it was like you had your clan like the group Mm -hmm. of kids that you would play with and that's how it started off. Like the guys were, um, Face Clan was originally like a gamer tag clan that they had their groups of people that would just do like cool trick shots and stuff like that. They were just like competitive gamers. Um, and then they started uh, recording their trick shots and stuff like that on YouTube. And during that time, YouTube was like getting known, blowing up. And they, so they kind of like blew up with it. Mm-hmm. And um, their views just went skyrocketing and then monetizing and YouTube started happening. So these kids just started, you know, raking in, dough. Raking in money and they're like, okay, I can make something out of this. I like uh, basically an org. So they had, um, comp- they started competitive teams. They had their face clan, um, COD team that was competing in MLG and all this other stuff. And they had, they were basically recruiting <clears throat> kids that were like the LeBron James and, and Dwayne Wade of Halo at the time. So they had like Norton Shad, um, Apex, and all these other people um, that were just nasty at the game, one of the best in the world. And he had Tommy who created um, the trick shot uh, called the Tempest Shot where he would do uh, a 180, like, or, yeah, like a 180 changing his guns and then snipe you at the end for like the, the kill, like the kill feed, the last kill. Dude, it sounds silly, but like the amount of skill and reaction time you need to be able to do some of this stuff, like it's insane. Oh yeah, it really, it really is insane. So I like for me and like my brother. So I got introduced through my brother. Um, my brother was training. My brother runs a martial arts school back in home in Haverhill, and Tommy who's one of the founders, one of the owners, was going to the school just to, you know, learn martial arts. And he invited my brother over to play 2K because mm. he likes to, like, play 2 My brother, me and my brother love to play 2K and we're very competitive with that stuff. Um, so he invited him over and they were playing. And then Tommy just all of a sudden just stopped. He's like, oh, man, I got to upload this video. Millions of people are waiting up. And my brother's <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> and he's like, I got to do this. Hold on. So then he he uploaded the video and then he just um, described to him what Face Clan was about and what there's going on. And my brother thought it was super cool because we grew up as gamers, like we gamed our whole life. Right. And like I, you know, I've had from Nintendo, I've had all the systems and played it through whatever. So I was just super curious. I was like, wait, what? Like this is a real thing? And then I just saw it and just believed in them. Like for like like just like this can be something huge. Because it's breaking, like, they weren't just gamers. Like, they're someone that they're active. They're trying to, like, they're not just normal, like, what people consider nerds in the sense of staying in their room all day, not doing anything, and and just playing video games in the day, that, or just, like, just the whole stigma of what people used to think of gamers. And my brother wanted to, like, like emphasize that, so he started a fitness aspect to it, which was Phase Fitness, and so he partnered up, like he became a FaZe Clan member through that. And they he ran with his, um, with another kid named Jasper, who is from um, the UK. And they, they, they did this, they started FaZe Fitness and started doing episodes with that. And 
I was just like, I was just on the outskirts. I was working at a hospital and doing, I was doing, actually, I co-hosted a radio show during that time too. What? Yeah. I, okay, wait. So your brother goes and he kind of joins Face Clan, yeah. whatever that means, right? Yeah. Like, what does, do this Face Clan? Some uh, group they did at the inter- time? They, yeah, they they already had a group building up. So, okay. um, when Tommy was living in Haverhill, he started having people move in, like Banks, who was the other um, owner, and somebody else at that time. I forget who it was, but they they were planning. They wanted to plan to create a house full of you know the YouTubers that that they were building with. So that's where the New York Face House came about, and they had Norton, Apex, um, Tico, Tommy, my brother, and Alex, and then later on, uh, well, Banks, and then later on, um, Blaziken. So all these are young kids, young gamers at the time. Like, what's like the average age of all the people you just mentioned? And then what was your time, age at the time? I mean, my age at the time. Oh man, this is like. It was about five years ago. So the age, um, I was like 26, 27 when I I first started hearing of of them. Um, But yeah, they were, the oldest one was Tommy, and he was, I think at that time, he was 21, 22. That's crazy. And then the youngest was like Alex, who was like 17. And at this point... So they're they're gaining this like fame and popularity online on YouTube in these like well, I'm assuming still like Call of Duty circles and like at this point there's like millions of followers they're getting millions of plays on YouTube that money starts rolling in is that why they decide all right let's get a house like this is a brand I think this yeah I, I believe so I think they wanted to come together because everybody was separate everybody's from somewhere different Norris from Canada um, Apex is from out here. Um, or Ryan area. Uh, Tommy and my brother were from Boston, and Banks was from Boston. Um, who else? Uh, Lucas is from Austria originally, but then he moved. To, he lived in Palo Alto, um, and then Alex is from Phoenix, Arizona. So it was just like everybody's from different areas, and it was a way for them to all come together because they met up in Anaheim like before the the move. Uh, they met up in Anaheim, and they all got together and rented our house. And um, Anaheim every year does like a huge like gaming event for like COD and stuff like that, MLG. And they all met up and had their team jerseys. Like they had team jerseys built and stuff like that. So they had team jerseys before they had ever met in person. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. So like that's that's crazy. So it's like imagine uh, you dream of this as a kid. I don't, Jeff. You played a little bit of video games yeah. growing up, but like. You, and especially as it moved into these single-player games that you kind of played at home to when the world opened up to you the first time you played a game yeah, just over the internet. campaign, and then now, like, you had chances to challenge each other. Like, I think it was, like, was it Halo and all these other games that they started opening up. World Tournament, I believe. Yeah. Um, That's where, like, everyone who's familiar with Ninja, he was actually, like, a baller Halo player first. Like... So he was like running that circuit and it wasn't until Fortnite and Twitch like super took off that he became a household gamer name. I imagine like if the internet was 10 years earlier than it actually became popular, like we could have seen like 007 tournaments oh, online. Man, it been you intense. know what I mean? Like there were, there were certain games that would have had that network effect, but it just didn't happen because we weren't timing. we weren't people weren't connected to each other mm-hmm. online as it related to gaming exactly and you started to see it with 
I mean, my brother played StarCraft. Yeah. Like, oh, he would have yeah. been a professional. Hell yeah. yeah. My brother would have been a professional for sure. To this day, still has, <laughs> like, the worst eyesight because, because of, of how it. much, like, screen time he would take playing that game. But it's so crazy because it sounds like, Chael, like, YouTube was this platform where gamers could actually monetize even if they weren't making tons of money in tournaments or whatever just yet because there was ad revenue that you could just tap into and that seems to be like a really big first step for gaming to become a profession. Yeah, and they weren't me. even trying to. They were just uploading their videos. They weren't trying to make money out of all this. Mm. That's the whole thing too. Like they were just uploading their videos because like it was sick and yeah. Like it wasn't this grand scheme. It wasn't no, a bunch no. of really dope business exactly. kids. Yeah. They were like, yo, we're like nice at Call of Duty. I just had yeah. this sweet trick shot. I'm going to put it on YouTube so other people could see it. Imagine being a parent to this like situation. like where, like, where, <laughs> Well, walk us through it. Do you probably well, have met some of these kids' well, parents? Well, Alex, that's what I'm saying. Like Alex, he had to deal with like his parents thinking that he was like doing something illegal. What? Yeah, they, they they thought he was absolutely because think about it, he pull, he's fifteen, sixteen years old. All of a sudden, he pulls he pulls in like fifty k in a freaking month. And like, what the hell are you doing? You're like, you're not playing video games and making this much money. Like, what uh. are you actually doing? Like, he thought he like like his mom thought actually he was like prostituting something or something. Like, like legit thought he was doing something extreme. And then he was like, no, mom, just legit. Playing video games and uploading them on YouTube. Like, that's just how it's going down. And, like, that for me is just like, I can understand these parents that are coming in because, like, it's new money. It's something that's never been even talked about on television. It's just something that just happened. Right. And um, you don't know how to, like, how do you react to this? Because it's not an actual job. It's not. it's the thing they play in their room. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's not the it's not the revenue opportunity that you can earn like five hundred k a year. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So, um, I remember when I earned. I, I sat in my room a lot as a little kid. I played video games. I designed websites. I was a freaking nerd. And I remember I had a Pokemon website, and it was on this free website building service. I built this website, drove a bunch of traffic to it at the time. I was getting like 10, 20,000 visitors a month. It was cracking. That's awesome. Cracking. <laughs> I gave out cheat codes for Pokemon, and that's why people came. I put it behind. It wasn't a paywall. It was like a vote wall. So to enter the site to get the cheat codes, you had to vote for my site, which raised my traffic. Okay. And then, <laughs> so I was cracking off, man, $20,000 a month. All right, sorry, 20,000 visitors a month. I wasn't making that. But I, I got a paycheck finally. I forget what I sold. I sold some advertisements, but I made like 50 bucks. And I remember a check came in the mail. It was like $50 made out to my name. I didn't even have a bank account. Like I, I was 12 or 13. I, had a, I didn't yeah, have a bank account. And my mom like looked at the check and I got grounded. <laughs> and I'm trying because she had no idea. Here I am in my room. I'm scolded for how much I'm on the internet. I'm scolded for how much video yeah. games I play. Yeah. And here's a check that comes in the mail. Yeah. Like the check's not real. The, the check was real. But to her, it was this evil person out there in the world. Trying to dupe her son into doing something like without her knowledge. Exactly. And I, I was like, this is cool. This is special. I stopped doing that part of the monetization. I was like, look, at the end of the day, I'm a yeah. kid. And at 13, you don't need that much money to live. Like my parents were good to me. So 
I cut out the advertising side of that early website, but the idea of like community effect and making money on the internet, like that was new and scary. So I can only imagine being that young and getting a $50,000 check. I wonder how he even cashed that as a youngin. So, okay, so that's, yeah, That's, I don't know how he did. I don't know how he cashed it all. He probably had to tell his parents, like, "Hey, ma, like, how do I do this?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we know that we know that your brother intro to Fake Clan was Face Fitness. But when did when did you start? So becoming I, I became, uh, a or how did you become a member? So I became a member um, by I was going. So I was visiting their house in New York, and every time I would visit. The place was just a disaster. Like, it was just, like, little kids living in a house. Like, what would you expect? <laughs> like, you know, things are not clean. And just, like, they were just ordering um, Postmates or whatever they can, like, going out to eat every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, there's not one thing being made in the house. Like, there was stuff in the fridge, but it was, like, that stuff's been in the fridge for since the day they moved in. Wow. Yeah. So, so then- And then I was just like, okay, guys, like, because I, from once I um, got introduced to FaZe and the guys and Tommy, like, I always generally just cared about their growth because I was like, this is something that could be, be really huge. And I, I, th- I believed in them, and I was just like, guys, we can't, I mean, you can live like this, but there's better things that you, like, just better ways to to live and grow in organized way, you know, organized way. And so I told them, I was like, I'll come up with a plan and try to figure out cookie breakfast breakfast lunch and dinner and try to help you organize your day where you're spending more time uploading videos and creating videos than upload a video and then all right i'm hungry let's go out to cheesecake factory waste two uh, two, you know because you know cheesecake can be like a a long process first to get there and then you're waiting for a while and And then like two and a half two and a half hours you could waste in your day that you can invest in your content um and then save money by not ordering all the time too even though you're making a bunch of money you're still young you're only you know you can blow through that if you stopped making it mm-hmm. in a certain amount of years so i just told him like i just wanted to help manage everything and and be their personal cook you know chef so i spent the weekend over there and just tried it out uh ordered a bunch of food and made them just a variety of stuff and they loved it and they were like when can you start and i was like well they're like can you start tomorrow and i'm like i gotta go back to my job i gotta go back home because i was living in boston and then they were living in new york so i'm driving you know through four hours to to um to go there and come back so i was like guys i gotta go back to work tomorrow and i'm like I can't just not like I'm not the type of person that burns bridges. Like, I if I'm gonna leave a job, I'll give my two weeks and I'll and I'll work through it, and then leave. I'm not gonna just say, oh, you know, fuck you, fuck you guys. I'm just not gonna go. So, I you know I told them, like, all right, let me that same night, I had to come up with a like letter reg- uh, like re- resignation. Oh, I can't even speak right now. <laughs> resignation letter. Resignation letter. <laughs> letter, and then. Like, I had to be at work at 4 in the morning because I was working as a dialysis tech. And, like, they would have the patients on by, like, 4.45, 5 o'clock. And then I was, like, I get there. I, like, didn't sleep. I get there, and then I'm, my boss, like, you know, is walks in, and I'm, like, shit. I'm, 
like I gotta come up, like I gotta just do this. So I let a couple hours come by. Like I treated our first patients, and then I had like a little break time. And I walked into our offices and our offices. I was like, so um, I kind of like they loved me too because I was grow. I was new there. I was I've been like a year and a couple months, and I was to work at this job like. They pay for school, like they have their own like little schooling. They pay you and get certified, the whole nine. So I went through all that process. I was doing good. I was doing great, and I was like, so. And she's looking at me like, so. And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna be giving my two weeks notice. I got an opportunity that I can't like I can't give up on. She's like, what do you mean? You just started working here, basically, like, and you're doing great. I was like, I know, but there's this opportunity that I'm gonna be living. Like, we're moving to Cal. Like, they're moving to Cali. They want me to live with them. They're owner. They're owners of this org, and they make a lot of money. And the offer that they're offering me, I can't. Like, it's a. It's you just something refuse. I can't refuse. And she's like, she's like, what? And then she's like, she's super sad about it. She's like, all right, so tell me more about this, though, because like, I you really need to like convince me to not go, because I really want you to stay. <laughs> And then I told her everything, and then at the end of the day, she was like, wow, I'm actually super happy for you. Like, go for it, run for it, and you always have a spot if things don't work out. Wow. So, wait, that was an offer after you cooked for them for one weekend, and yeah. you went back to your job, and you gave a letter of resignation. Right there and then. And you just mentioned moving to California. Like, that is a lot in in one one, one fell swoop exactly less than 24 to, to hours con, to, to take consider to and yeah. then to move on yeah. like i know you did it right you still gave notice right but yeah. that is a huge move a huge i mean chance. you're completely different industry i mean i know you know these guys but it's yeah that's that's crazy man so it was just a super risk i had to take and then looking into it i'm like if i'm gonna do this like i have to go all in and just take the chance and so I did, and it's led me here. To um, this very table. To this very table at the ketchup. <laughs> at Food Beast's headquarters. Uh, awesome. So, yeah, it was, um, that's how I started. And, and after the two weeks went by, I went to the Faze house. I had my room, and right away we started doing, um, I started cooking for them, and they were, I was part of, like, being a part of these videos that they had you know, growing in, in New, uh, New York. And it was crazy. It was just like, it's just a surreal situation for me because Facecam was growing at such a rapid rate too at this time. And, you know, dealing with your, like, I, I was like, all right, I'm going to have my Instagram based off of it because just, just to help my personal growth, I'm not going to create a YouTube channel because I already knew at the time, like, there was just a lot of people at that time that were just, whoever started working with them they're like all right i'm gonna commit, create a youtube channel because they were gonna feed off of the guys i didn't want to bring that atmosphere to the guys and i already knew to myself cooking breakfast lunch and dinner for seven people you know i also have to clean up the freaking mess after i after i made for them once you're done making breakfast for that amount of, amount of people in the house by the time you're done cleaning, you already have to start prepping for lunch. Right. <laughs> so, and then the same thing for dinner. And then trying to maintain their video, be a part of their videos, and then everything else. I was like, there's no way I can like be com- like be comfortable making a YouTube channel and make it a successful one. Like, or just to think of creating one. Like, I it, I would have no time. The time I would have to record, it would be really late, or because like their upload time was like they had to upload before uh, five. In um in in East Coast time, 
The when you moved to California, was that to the house that I visited Newport, at the Newport yes. Coast House? Okay, so Jeff, that's where that's like the first kind of couple weeks. This is over a couple years ago now, but that's where I visited Cheo to shoot that episode of we have we have this show called uh, Just Warming Up, where mm-hmm. we interview people that are on the come up, right? They're just about to blow. They're about to do something crazy, and Cheo obviously falls into that category. Thank you. I, I try. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's crazy is that is I mean we've had awesome people on that show. Dr- Chris Drama Beats, like from young and reckless clothing mm-hmm. line and robin biggs tv show like we were amazing guests on that show uh, but cheo's episode of that was like eight minutes of an interview and cooking segment with cheo and it was viewed over two million times i think it was the most successful episode of that show really that's awesome yeah and i was like yo i, I knew this episode was good but why was it so resonant to your fans, mm. FaZe Clan fans, Food Beast viewers. I just want to talk about it for a second because you're hearing the guts of that story right now. Like you're hearing Cheo's origin story and, and how we met FaZe Clan and how he provided value through his food, cooking, and basically just being a little bit more, a little bit older than the other guys in yeah. this group of young guys that are coming into this fame, money, and popularity and what they do with it. And I, why do you think that episode did so well? Why do you think... I think too- it's timing. Um, timing of the growth of the phase and what I was doing with the guys. Uh, I don't know. Maybe... I, I really don't know. I, I, I'm i grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I personally think it could have been just the general interest because I don't have a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And the general interest of the you know our fan base that probably wanted to get to to get more info of what what I do in the background of it like because everybody would just see I would be just a talent in the video or every as everybody knows I was cooking for the guys so they probably wanted to know what was my daily life of what I would deal with cooking for the guys because I on my Instagram I wasn't. It, I wasn't posting anything that I was like, all right, this was this was the meal that they had that day. I wasn't posting any of that. I was just posting my just daily situations outside of work. It was like kind of like I would do, like I would post something about the content for the guys were growing because, again, my focus wasn't on me. It was on helping the rest of the guys grow because it was that was helping me as is for itself. Sure. And I wanted to see – I wanted to see these guys reach a certain limit before I can actually step away and say, hey, I can do this for myself. Well, and that's the reason why I think the episode did well, to be honest, is because the amount of support that that episode had from various FaZe Clan members was, yo, our boy Cheo is getting featured right now. This Mm. is someone that's had our back for so long. Mm. He doesn't necessarily have the same YouTube platform that we all have, but like, Let's show him love right now. I mean, that's what it seemed like to me when I was Mm. looking at tweets, when I was looking at YouTube comments. I mean, I was, again, I'm not a gamer, and I didn't know the FaZe Clan. Like, you were, Cheo, you are my introduction to the FaZe Clan. But seeing all that support from, again, I'm just going from this Instagram to this Twitter to this YouTube comment, and these are people with sometimes tens of millions of followers, it feels like, commenting on a video which all you know affects that algorithm and so i think your mentality of putting others first has really 
solidified you as a member of that team, even as a non-gamer. But that's also one of the things that I wanted to mention with with FaZe Clan is because I don't... Again, I'm not a gamer, but I'm somewhat aware of general pop culture. Mm. And I don't know of another name brand gaming clan that has tons of members that weren't necessarily gamers, right? Yeah, so I no, think yeah. like so, yeah. you and your brother, right? Being yeah. a part of that clan and being accepted as a family, like that's power to that brand mm-hmm. because yeah, you're you're supporting these guys and you're an essential element to them and you're making them all this great food. But it's all like people are interested in following your Instagram account because of your affiliation with FaZe and what mm-hmm. FaZe is doing, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. to me was so powerful that I still can't I still don't really fully I, understand. It's still it. crazy to me. So when I that whole growth on my Instagram, it started in New York and I had to turn off my notifications. I had to turn all that stuff off because it was completely flooding my my phone and my my battery would have died just off of it. I was reaching thousands of followers in a day. It's just a I tough was, life. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> but the thing is, like, all right, I've grew up, like, I've. It's not like I grew in, grew up into this. Like these guys, they didn't work a single job in there. Like, like one or two of the guys have, but like mm-hmm. the rest of the guys, like this is how they started their their work career mm-hmm. off of YouTube. So like they already expect like they they were one of the startups for even Twitter to get these huge accounts and start blowing up. So they're used to this situation of having like, f- like the fan base reaching up at them all the time. For me, I was just like, "This is crazy! Like this is actually happening!" Like I, I post one thing and then all of a sudden you see freaking so many people just hitting up the likes and like notifications. I was like, "How do you guys function with this?" And they're like, "Just turn off your notifications." <laughs> and I was just like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, because your phone's gonna die. You're just gonna be annoyed with it. You're not even gonna be able to talk to the text of people because it's just gonna keep on." popping up it was it was fun too i remember we we did a taco bell event and we we're just we we're going to taco bell headquarters and we're gonna oh, yeah, try out some yeah, new yeah. stuff we're gonna i, I like to lose it was fun because like cheo's just so genuine i was like cheo we're gonna go to taco bell like we usually do once a quarter and we're gonna try out some new menu items and i was like let's do something a little bit more fun why don't you just invite 10 followers to come mm. and enjoy taco bell with us and i was like i wonder if we'll get 10 <laughs> low key so Cheo puts out like one insta story and 10 kids we had to cut it off there was 10 that we that you no, yeah, there was from. yeah there was 10 but there was so much more there was that, a lot more there was a lot yeah. more so 10 kids showed up and it wasn't just 10 kids in the irvine area around taco bell it was i remember one kid drove like five hours with his mom to come like no basically try some taco bell but then get a picture with Cheo, yeah. and Cheo's the dude that like you drove i'm hanging with you like i remember those kids i follow them all now and they like look up to just i think it's that selflessness of you and just like coming down but it was legit like this fandom of 10 kids just wanting to come grab some taco bell with you and i think what i'm kind of gathering to and I hope this is interesting to some folks who maybe haven't even heard of FaZe Clan before this. Like, mm-hmm. I know we got a lot of foodies out there. FaZe Clan's, like, overall growth. I mean, there's, like, f- probably over 50 million cumulative followers across all the accounts of the people in this More. organization. More than that. Yeah. 
But they rose to fame based on this idea of trick shots, which trick shots is like the flashiest part of playing a video mm. game. It's basically like the Harlem Globetrotters of basketball, and they're known for the flash, the pizzazz. And then that's the technical part of the video game. But then where they grew their brand was, you know what? We're moving into these baller houses. We're all moving in together, and that's flashy. That's an extension of the flash, and that kind of builds up this phase clan aura that everything is big, everything is flashy. Big, yeah. We got cool. chains. Everything's cool. Yeah. Breaking the, the barrier of what a gamer is like viewed as, you know, this athlete. You know, there's, there's someone that's like trender. Like he's he's, he's a trendsetter in a sense. Um, and then what what happened? I think is that people saw. Again, these guys put out vlogs of their own. They put out behind the scenes where they're moving into this $10 million Newport Coast mansion. We're wearing these chains. I'm getting iced out. And then you see Cheo's episode where you see a dude where they didn't even know that he has a beautiful daughter, that he's a great father, that he takes care of these dudes selflessly there's a reason why he doesn't have a youtube channel because he's not about that he's about i'm here for a job i have a skill set and i'm doing this to support these dudes with their skill set and i think that's the magic of what people caught on to it was mm. this this like humble and i've met the, some of some of the other people in your organization it's not that they're not i think they're they're they're, just, per, they're, they're entertainers they're so entertainers, they have to so yeah. their persona is to show off how dope this shit is like mm -hmm. trick shot like lebron james isn't that lebron james is a good dude behind the scenes shout out thank you for listening to this podcast so much <laughs> i appreciate you man so i go all that to talk about when i visited your newport coast house yeah there's maybe five dudes in there in this like sprawl i don't know how many square feet ten thousand square feet or some yeah, shit yeah. like it was literally next door to like kobe's house we were there for maybe an hour and a half. I swear to God, Izzy, there were like seven Postmates drivers <laughs> in that hour and a half that showed up that to the showed house. Up, yeah, like there's only five dudes in there. Did he, like I'm assuming some of them ordered some wild shit, but it was seven Postmates drivers in the matter of ninety minutes. Like what? Is that eating habit still a thing? And I was like, damn, we're interviewing the chef of Face yeah. Clan, well, no, <laughs> which is fine. Like, because again, like. Not every like if I was making something for that day and they didn't want that, mm. and I would say, "Is there anything else that you, they would want?" They're like, "Oh no, I'll probably just order something." Like it, it happens. Like mm -hmm. I'm never, I'm not gonna get mad about it. You know, I'm still getting paid, paid at the. <laughs> I was still getting paid at the end of the day, and it just made my, you know, it made me my life a little easier sometimes because I don't want them to. I didn't want to replace everything. Mm -hmm. I just wanted them to be smarter with with what they were ordering. Like they didn't have to order all the time. And when I was cooking for them, it was like homely food. They didn't have to be something extravagant every time. Mm -hmm. So if they didn't want that and then they wanted to order something, go by all means, order it up. I'm not controlling your life. It was just a, it was just a suggestion for, you know, it's their option. It's, it's, it's there to eat. If you don't want that, that's fine. So some of the times the guys would order. But they never ordered anything like ridiculous amount of food. But they've ordered stuff that's like really like, I, did you really Postmate that? Like, one, one, like the craziest stuff like and that's like that they would binge doing is is ordering like one bag of M&M's like a peanut M&M's. <laughs> 
Like, why would you pay ten bucks to <laughs> to buy one bag of M&Ms because you didn't want to get up and go and go? Or like, you know, like the uh, McFlurry. Like they'll just order like a single McFlurry. A single McFlurry. Like it, they'll order stuff, anything like that. Like they're they're just notorious for doing stuff like that. Now tell tell me why? Because is that something where because it's mean, accessible? Because they can do it. it, it, it okay, it's I get it. that. I get that you can do it, but is it? Is it laziness at its finest, or is it? It's both. Is, is I mean, there something more than that in the sense of I don't know what the day to day of a professional gamer is. Yeah. But are there things where, like, they can't leave the house because they're uploading or they're streaming or oh, they're no, whatever? They can leave the house. Like, okay, so that's just pure laziness at that point. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, because yeah. I have the means and I want M and M's and DoorDash like, is on late my night, phone. I'm tired. I don't want to do anything. <laughs> like, I need some M and M's in my life. I'm gonna post it. Okay, but is it that bad? So imagine you reach a certain level of success, certain level of busyness. You get a personal assistant. Like imagine that used to be the old scenario. Maybe like you know I don't need a personal assistant, but I could fairly pay. Ten dollars to a Postmates driver to get a dollar M and M's because I feel like M and M's. Where I you? What's worse? You order a one dollar M and M on Postmates, or you have your personal assistant go to the store to get you a single bag of M and M's. What's worse? Uh, I say Postmates because <laughs> at the end of the day, like you still like you can. I don't know. I just think the whole thought of it is just terrible. Like you <laughs> might as well just buy a big bag of, of multiple. But the thing is, they don't want to binge it. They don't want to binge eat it at the time. They just want to have it for like on demand in the sense of like when they want it. Because if they if they buy a bunch of it, then they're gonna keep on eating it. That's, so that, that they're was paying their for process, the portion control. Their thought process of it. I was like, no, like doesn't make sense to me. Still, Does- like, you should be able to like, hey. Oh wait! I bought a big bag of of M and M's. I could just go downstairs and grab myself, you know, another bag of M and M's instead of saying, "All right, let me go post pay," you know, because like sometimes it was like back to back days, like where I like, oh, I would put, I ordered M and M's again. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> it's like well, no way. Because my question is, does it is that just a a type of person? Because as much as I understand that it's possible. And again, I don't well, make it, it, I don't make the same money as these people, so I'm also it, like again, in a different yeah, it's, a different it's like money a- class. But like, I can't imagine a scenario, me personally, Jeff, where I would go on to Postmates and order a single bag of M and M's. I would just feel too guilty about it. Do I have ten dollars to spend on it? Sure. Sure, but have, why? Have there been a <laughs> position where I want M and M's and didn't have them? Sure, but I just can't. <laughs> I can't get to the position where I actually order it because I would feel like a fucking piece of shit ab- about everything, yeah. about how yeah. someone is going in their car into a CVS to buy an M&M's when I'm able, how they're like having trouble with the delivery off for <laughs> some bullshit reason. Like, yeah. right. All of the, and the fact that I paid $10 for like Mars candy, like all of those things, I... I can't reconcile, and this actually comes. I want to talk about this because I think I think this next generation, Cheo, you're you're our age, and so yeah, you kind of yeah. came into phase a bit older than the rest of the guys, yeah. as you've already said. But I, what I will preface is this with this. I will preface this with this. You're an old fart. One, I'm I'm known as old man Cutnick in this office because right. I'm like I'm right. a traditionalist. There's nothing wrong with that. And I'm I will also say 
I consider myself to be decently soft. Okay. Right? <laughs> I don't I don't work with my hands. I'm not handy. I don't change I don't though. change my own oil, right? I don't like when I have a flat tire, I call triple A. These are all things that like describe me. But you need but, to like but, learn some of those things though. No, for sure. And and that's why I'm self admittedly soft. But this next generation oh, yeah. seems even softer than me. And again, I don't mean to like grossly categorize, but at the same time, I can't not mention it in a podcast. Like for someone that may be gaming like their entire life and they've never worked a kitchen job mm. like you have, Cheo, mm. I think it's just a diff- a different breed. No, I, we are I have- we are different. Our generations are different breeds. Like again, that's again we like growing up as a kid. We didn't stay in the house. We were forced out of the house. Like you had to go outside and play. Like go play with your friends. And he now is like people are scared to have their fr- their kids outside and playing, and it's it's more sensitive generation now. But again, like is there's so much accessible to them now. Like they everything's on demand. Even television shows we had to wait to watch television. Like I mean, a certain episode now they have everything. On your, you have everything in your phone. Like you can order anything on your phone and have it brought to you. So that like is it their fault? No. Like, do you and, it, and it, could it could can they be better with things? Yeah, a lot better. But it's it's and in a sense they're taught all, to do all this stuff. Like, they're do you need to know how to change a tire? Now, like, I get, I get, yeah. Every, every here's just think about it. You're in the middle of nowhere. Say you're driving in in Arizona, and the next the next exit's seven miles away, and you, you know, you, what if you don't have you know AAA or whatnot in your tire? tire blows who are you gonna who are you gonna reach out to that's fair but that's like a, a post-apocalyptic reasoning how's that post-apocalyptic <laughs> no that's, for real that's an everyday like, that's a as as real life situation that can happen but if you know like <clears throat> what if your phone dies then i fucking i don't know what if your phone like those are situations that word. can happen what if you don't have a phone with you word, word. everybody has a phone like, I, I, I these days it's hard to say that but but then, like, I would charge my phone in my car. But not everybody has phone chargers in their car. But I do. That's your personal. <laughs> that, but see, that's your personal experience. Not everybody has that. Sure, 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 sure. But then, if I didn't have a phone charger, I probably wouldn't have a car. And then Why? I wouldn't have, huh? Why? You could have left your phone charger. Like, well, and I think you guys are getting into semantics. But I think the the point and counterpoint is, it's becoming increasingly rare for for us to like need to be hands-on in certain things because of the availability to services through technology yeah like that's the point will you still need it maybe and will you be fucked when you don't know how to change a tire very possibly but it's definitely not the same when you needed a tire in the 1980s right like i think that's the point we're trying to make but again, I just think that there's something about this next generation, especially the ones that are looking at Cheo, they're looking at your clan mm. and they're like, I can be this, I can do this. So why why would I work a job? Like I'm I'm curious if with all the young people that you interact with on a regular basis who follow you on Instagram, the the clan members that you're a part of. I mean, you just mentioned that only a couple of them have actually like worked jobs. 
Doesn't that drastically change your perspective on everything if you've never if you've never um, actually worked a job? Not re- okay. well now the way jobs are perceived are not it's so it's, it's so many different new careers that have come out now, especially in the entertainment with like media and stuff like that, graphic design. Like, some of these kids they put in work. Like they, I see a lot of fan bases that like they do a lot of stuff when it comes to like graphic design and like that's not easy. Like and the stuff that they put in, um, I've seen. I, I know. Uh, I remember looking at one kid's. Um, profile and he made a bunch of like dope gifts like like animated gifts of like face clan and a whole bunch of other companies and the kid was 15 you know and like so it's different now like I think it's not a lot of hands and again like, it couldn't it's not as hands-on but again the technology these days the programs these days now that we have makes things easier for for people to make profitable businesses off of like you know the new age world of internet like you say money companies but the craft but there is a hands-on craft like just to oh yeah so like name any like any single member in the phase clan that has a youtube channel right is very hireable in my opinion at a media company who because these kids like oh, yeah, they were editing I, everything themselves and the whole nine they know how to edit they know how to edit video they know photoshop they're they know they know how to lead an audience with the thumbnail like these guys are a yeah. jack of all trades in the media business now they're so good that they don't need to be hired by an outside company so they deserve that credit but like now throw someone who doesn't have all those trades and that now they've so like for me i I like to kind of defend not that you guys are bashing them i think other people out there might bash the idea of like damn these kids like just come into all this money but like and that might be coming from like media people or account managers who are doctors i mean people that spent their lives in college and that and trying to make (laughs) trying to make ends meet and they busted their ass for it and when you got these kids that are super young in the entertainment industry where now they're just pulling racking in brand deals that blow people's minds but understand the skill set that they have like the idea of picking the right thumbnail photoshopping like they don't wait especially when they're starting off their own youtube channel they're not they don't have an editor they don't have someone that they're outsourcing for thumbnails when you don't have any money to begin with these are kids that are understanding the online human condition better than other people and so they're able to pick a thumbnail better than newsrooms or Vox or other people that like have 40 people trying to pick one thumbnail. Here's one kid in a bedroom in Papua New Guinea who's like able to pick a thumbnail and create content for an audience better than entire newsrooms that are funded by these like fucking deep pocketed VCs. Like so there's a skill set that these guys have when you break down everything they're good at and they could get a job somewhere else. Like these are the new age mechanics who can break down a car all the way and rebuild it. Like these guys can break down every facet of media, Photoshop, build a template, edit a video, sound score. Some of them are good at music now because of how deeply invested they are in their editing software. Like they're more skilled than you give than you being the nebulous you they that fucking what's his name on snapchat speaks of uh you know so they deserve some more credit for that growth um so there is a skill set there shout out (laughs) jay we talked last week on the pod about how much in the last two decades like pizza culture has changed going from like group outings at 
pizza parlors with arcades and to the ubiquity of how everyone got pizza delivered to now there's like food delivery through third party services and there's a bunch of like quick service change that's that's a lot of change in a very small mm. period of time with with the clan and and your audience how are you seeing this like next generation interact with food that's different than you and I and that might be favorite brands that might be you know like like you mentioned the amount of delivery that the phase house was receiving like before you came on board but what what are you seeing um from a, like a food trend perspective that's different than than our generation um for the when it, it just it just all depends on um so it's they're just basically they're the new age trendsetters basically so it's whatever they feel like they love so it could be something that's super basic and if they love it if they're advertising everybody's gonna want to eat it so I, I guess it all depends on the person um is gaming making chipotle relevant to I, a like, certain extent word because i see i think I, what I chipotle mean, is doing with gaming is nice right I, now i think it does I, it, that's it in that's why everybody jumps on like all these advertisers jump on these types of new age like companies like phase clan and stuff like that that are involved because everybody like they got the best eye on it. They have the kids' eyes, and mm-hmm. when it comes to kids, there's money, you know. So if I'm if I'm advertising something, these kids are gonna believe it. Like, oh, this is something that he loves, so I want to get it. Mm-hmm. So they tell their parents, and then you know, move from there. Um, so the difference, I mean, which is something that's been common forever when it comes to marketing, but um, now it's so much easier with stuff like Postmates and DoorDash, the whole nine, when it, the, the, the guys, you know, you know, Postmates loves it. So they'll give them credit, you know, for, you know, getting all this shout out. And because they have now, they have all these kids that have, you know, now kids can have access to Postmates and stuff like that. They're going to order whatever that they like to order. That is game changing. I thought about that. Like, remember when your parents would leave for a while? And then they never came back. Um, remember when your parents would leave, like for the night? There was a time period where you couldn't get anything. Like if you didn't cook, like they didn't cook anything. You could order they had pizza. To think about it. Yeah, yeah. and then but they would leave like twenty dollars magnet to the kitchen uh, fridge, and you would just be like, "Hey, order pizza when you leave, right?" And now, like that whole thing has changed. Like your kid isn't going to go hungry if you don't want them to. Like you can, mm-hmm. you even if you don't want to let them choose, like you could order Postmates and have it delivered to their house while you're out at a show or something. Like I think those kind of dynamics of how we get food delivered and like those have changed. Um, Before, I know I mentioned I this a little bit. I answered that the right way too. I'm sorry. Like I'm trying to like think of. Well, keep thinking. I want to mention, I want to mention something because I mentioned a little bit last week, but the conversation that I had with like an Uber executive based in Canada about Uber Eats and, and when they use Ninja was just fucking mind blowing to me. And, you know, he was basically saying uh, that with Ninja, they were able to get Super Bowl on steroid level statistics and conversions on promo codes for Uber mm. Eats. Mm-hmm. Like, it was cra- crazy numbers. And and what he was saying is kids have access to their parents' credit cards. They load it on the app. Yeah. And then the kid can order whatever they want. Basically. And that's ac- what's actually happening. And now, like, 
the kids don't know necessarily any better whether they should or should not order an ice cream sundae delivered. Like, that's what you'll see. Mm -hmm. Like, you'll see, like, if there's a younger audience, they're delivering (laughs) ice cream, even though it's probably half melted because they don't they don't care. Like, they don't think about the same thing that we do with delivery. Right. And I thought that was just so mind blowing to me that if you're able to tap into the wallet of the parents, you can see massive growth on your app in a way that's. I think it's you know deals with interesting. That? It's Amazon, Amazon has to deal with that a lot too. What you mean? Ordering, because like you go, the kids have the iPads and it's on their um, parents, parents account. In. They're already logged in. They're like, oh, I want to see this episode. That's five dollars, <laughs> or you know, say like you know they it it it's happened to me. Even like I remember looking at my email and like I just see Amazon, 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 Amazon. You ordered this, you ordered this. And I was like, wait, what's going on here? <laughs> And it was like $150 worth of stuff. And I was just like, what? The? I was like, how did this happen? And it was just Mia just ordering away <laughs> things. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, this needs to stop right now. <laughs> you, you ordered lesson, the whole lesson, season of Sopranos? Lesson learned. Like, yeah. I have the DVDs. Yeah. Um, hey, Chell, uh, Izzy producer here real quick. I, I just wanted to ask while we're on the kind of Postmates talk. Yep. Is it? Is it difficult for delivery drivers to get through? Like, let's say, I know you guys have okay, lived so, in a gated community. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, the Calabasas house is simple. Um, we just had the gate. Um, we call the gate, say, hey, we have Postmates on the way. But the, one of the houses, I think the Hollywood house and uh, the Phase Hollywood house, they, uh, some, I think some places, like I think Postmates is restricted. They restricted the house because they're like, it's so hard to get up to that hill, um, to that house, and then sometimes the guys they'll be streaming and they don't respond to the <laughs> postmates, so <laughs> they would just leave the the postmates at the door and stuff. And I think they got it's like some. I think, I think, I think postmates either postmates or Uber Eats is like restricted for that house. Have you guys ever had someone? fake or pretend to be postmates like since you guys order um, so much has that ever been an issue it wasn't it wasn't before uh so when we were in new york they we would have people come to the house like it was constant fans and people would bring food the whole nine we would never take any food it was just even if it looked if it was brand new and they're just being generous we couldn't take it because we don't know like again you still don't know but it's a nice gesture but like come on guys you guys like we don't. We didn't ask for it. You guys just made that decision on your own. So is that why you guys moved out of the New yeah, York house? Yeah. Just because like people. Once Eight people hours found a day, out, we had fans coming to the house. Mm-hmm. It was it was so bad. I heard I heard that's why a lot of YouTubers lease houses and rent yeah. because it's like you mm-hmm. can put you can use different names and someone else can lease it for you and you pay them because when you reach a certain level of fandom. A quick Google search of of your name owner and a property, and there it shows up. Where I, I heard a lot like lease, and that's why like you you have to spend a little bit more. Like I've heard some YouTubers spending on a medium sized apartment ten thousand dollars a month just so they can live eighteen floors up and have the levels of security that an apartment building mm. provides. Just to avoid, and when people are like, why are you spending all that money? Like, you have to. It's almost a cost of doing business when you're a public figure, especially public figure the way that streaming and YouTube kind of creates, where 
like the old school, like George Clooney. Yeah, you're a mega figure and people know you, but George Clooney is not accessing his audience 50% of the yeah, day. Yeah, he's not, he's not, his talent is not where he's like, he doesn't build, like he does not, he's not doing vlogging of his house and stuff like that. Right. So people are not just generally, they're not interested. Like people are interested um, where he lives, but they're not like, oh, I want to go see it. Like, you know, as much as like for Phase Clan, the New York Face House was like such an iconic spot that you know uh, fans were creating maps, Google Maps, like like descriptions of saying saying that oh we have fan hours do this and that when we didn't we had club hours the, uh, this whole night they they located <laughs> Cheo's kitchen and like in a certain part of the uh, part of the house like it was insane and none of this was done by us but all these fans would just create it and people believed in it. We had parents that would drive eight hours to bring their kids there and say, hey, um, this is said that, you know, this was like your visiting hours. And I was like, no, this is our personal home and this is where we work. But we don't we're not just a place where everybody could just come and visit us like they like we like our privacy also. And it was it was tough because we had to keep our windows down like our shades. We had to keep them always covered. Because whenever a fan would see us, they're like, oh, my God, oh, my God. They'll run to the door, start banging on the door, and they would stay there until someone answered. Like, ringing, constantly ringing the doorbell. Like, when you're trying to record videos and all that stuff, it's it's tough. And even rating. People would say that we keep people, um, we'd keep people hostages and all this lies. And the cops would legit raid the house, like, come to the house. We had probably had the most, we probably set the record for most raids in the house in the state of New York. Wait. So people would call in almost false, fake. false. Yeah, they would come up with false um, accusations of saying that we would like either you know kidnapping people or something like, yeah. And the police, it came to the point where the police knew us and like they would reach out to us prior because it was just so much, so much, so many times that it happened. Well, I gotta say, it happened like, to us in Newport. Actually, they had like the helicopters. Like the, it was the same situation where the the they called the you know the cops and. We had choppers, like they had people, they had some of the guys in cuffs because they were like, What's going on? Like, you, you know, holding people hostage or whatnot. And there was, a, so there was a gifted knife that, uh, like, um, that was sent to me and it was in the living room. And they, one of the guys, like, our friends was like sleeping on the couch. And then when the cops came, like, they freaked out about the knife. And they're like, whose knife is that? Like, oh, no, that's Chaos. Like, he's a chef here. I wasn't even there. But, like, they were, like, yeah, they they had guns blazing ready for action at the the Newport house. All over a chef's knife. All over a bunch of shit. And a phony call. And a phony call. That's what it mainly was, over a phony call. So, I mean, I'm a sucker for those videos that you guys put up on the Face channel, like the tour houses, like mm. the tour of a house. Or, like you yeah, always... This is general interest. You want to see what it's like, what's going on, what's new and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Cribs, know. MTV Cribs made mm. such a brand about basically seeing behind the curtain of people that you follow so often. And I could see that being amplified so much with you guys. But it's also like a really dope advertising thing because one of the ones i saw was like the toronto house that is like partly like a collab with the raptors i don't know anyways oh yes 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 the the toronto house yeah and like i'm watching this like like four and a half million views jeff like four and a half million views i'm watching this was i don't know any of the people in this video Mm -hmm. yet like seem to be kind of new like a new team you guys built we've been like the guys like pomage and um a couple of the guys, Nikon, they were they've been a part of Facebook for a while, but they just weren't um, content creators like 
the the main guys. Mm-hmm. They weren't the main content creators. There were some. They were content creators for like COD and stuff like that, but they weren't part of the original group that was in the Face House. So imagine this baller house in Toronto. They're like, "Yo, welcome in the Toronto Face House." They're doing this MTV Cribs style tour. Imagine exactly like Cribs, and they're basically showing you the different bedrooms of the different members in that house. Everyone, one's good at Fortnite, one's good at COD, one's good at COD, so forth. But then I was like, oh shit, in the kitchen, there's a Bud Light fridge. Damn, I kind of want a Bud Light now. Mm. Oh shit, in one of the dude's bedrooms, he's like, let me show you my, my bathroom. He opens the bathroom door. The bathroom door is skinned as an Axe body spray. I'm like, yo, what a brilliant yeah, it's move. Just marketing at its best, you know. It's at its best. Like, here are guys where the content they create keeps them in the house. Like, it's not like an NBA player. Like, you got to leave the house to go see their content. They're going to either go to a, a park to play. They're going to, you know, go to the gym and you're going to see that stuff there. But all the advertising is around the house. Like, that's where Ninja, the way he streams, well, there's a Red the Bull Red fridge. Bull, well, Red Bull, yeah, they signed him and they just came up with the craziest setup. Yeah, he doesn't have to leave. Oh, you need a, the next thing is you need a sponsored catheter where it's like <laughs> sponsored by Kaiser Permanente. <laughs> you don't and need like, to go to the bathroom. You got it right here. Boom, right? <laughs> like that special cam underneath his seat. That's the next Ninja sponsorship. No, it's crazy. Uh, but it's crazy. I was, I was impressed. I was like, damn, I... You advertise Bud Light to me. You advertise Axe Body Spray. You advertise G Fuel. And I didn't feel any type of way about it. I still want these guys' lifestyle. I want to live with four or five dudes my age. Like, I get to play video games for eight hours a day. I get the appeal so much. And it's definitely one of those things. It's like gaming is as accessible as food. Mm. Like, I think, and the way you can achieve a level of celebrity within food or within gaming is just as challenging and serendipitous and hard. Like, to achieve that level of success in gaming, it feels attainable because I can go home, turn on my Xbox, and play play the same game. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter if I have, you know, one arm, if I'm five feet tall or eight feet tall, I could play the same game. And food has that same accessibility. I think that's special. I think that's why, like, there's food celebrity now and there wasn't, you know, 30, 40 years ago. I think that's why video game has celebrity now and it didn't maybe 15 years ago, even 10 years ago. The accessibility. The Mm. accessibility really changes the game. And I think there's correlations to basketball and, and football. And I think that's why there is so much synergy in between esports and the sports that we knew and grew up on. Um, I think that's why like basketball teams are taking such an incentivized approach to because there's creating so much their own money team. involved. There's a ton of money. So it's a billion dollars, yeah. over a billion dollar industry. The competitive side. I mean, Fortnite alone, the game alone, revenued over like I think something like three billion dollars last year. There's like oh, Fortnite in its first month of 2019 saw a 30 percent dip in revenue. Yeah. Like, who gives a shit? <laughs> and now they're doing a $30 million pot. That's crazy. That's incre- that's, now, now you're speaking football Super Bowl language. Bigger than Super Bowl language. Yeah. A $30 million pot? I think, it, 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 what was it? Um, I think the first place, uh, 
what was it? I think it's I think it's like ten. I think the you're talking about uh, the average tenure of a professional like basketball player, or football player making it in a tournament. Yeah, right. Like making ten million dollars off the thirty million dollar pot. Like that's that's insane. Che, I had a quick question because when you're in a ten million dollar Newport Beach house, mm. I'm assuming that kitchen and that. I'm assuming there's like an interior designer for that entire place. That the kitchen is probably the kitchen of my dreams. Oh, it was. It was and it, it, it was probably, awesome. you know, has random things like salamanders and like whatever all the all the cool kitchen appliances that I've probably ever wanted. And I'm assuming that when you aren't in that kitchen, it doesn't get used. <laughs> like is that Oh, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't me. So that's a that's potentially like a four hundred, five hundred thousand dollar kitchen. That unless Cheo is in it, it wasn't being. Used. It's empty, right? Pretty much. That's that's gnarly because I. They I'm even gonna, have, I'm we, gonna have the house that we're in now. That. We have it's um what is it the the coffee maker? It was like it's like thirteen thousand dollars that to have set up. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it doesn't get used. It's been used probably like a handful of times the whole year. And then y'all just. Because I don't drink Starbucks. coffee. I mean, the guys, some of the, like, whenever the parents came, like, they would use it, but that was it. Yeah, <laughs> Starbucks is always postmated. Th- that's just so crazy because I'll be in my apartment with, like, limited counter space and be like, man, I could really, all I need is two more feet of counter space and I'm golden. And I see these house tours of the Phase Clan and I'm like, there was an interior designer that charged $75,000 just to design that kitchen that never gets used. Like, that's the type of new money we're talking about where why do I have to cook when when Cheo's got my back and food and food delivery is going to come straight to my door? Like, I think we might see dramatically different houses, residences, offices based on the interest of food. Mm. Um because yeah, if no one's ki- cooking in it, why do you need to spend that much? Like l- realistically, if you aren't in that house, jail, like does it? Do they need well, a kitchen? Now, yeah. Well, now it's different. Like some of the guys now actually um, cook. Like they, uh, like I would say, Tico. He likes to make his. Um, he, like, he'll do like ground chicken with the salad and stuff like that. Like he'll actually cook, and they're they're getting better with it. Um, the cleaning aspect hasn't needs to get <laughs> needs to be better. Um, but y'all gotta get off a cleaning lady though. Uh, yeah, I mean, but we're, I'm, I I try to tell them like let's build to the point where you don't need that. Like take care of yourself to the point where you don't need a maid. Like you, you could yeah you could spend the money, but let's just gr- let's grow up to be adults and because you, res- you can eventually eventually you're gonna live on your own and you're gonna have to do all this on your own. But like, I, I respect that. But how do you tell someone? Who spent ten dollars postmating <laughs> well, a one dollar M M&M. and M? They shouldn't the pay a hundred dollars for a cleaning lady. Like, but that's, come on that's, now. That's the whole thing. Like, why? Why should you have to do that? And, and like, you want to change that? You want to? It takes a lot of time. Word. But eventually, Listen. why spend a hundred dollars? Why spend ten dollars on on M and M's? Like, that all adds up. That's already a hundred and ten dollars that you didn't need to spend. See, you're a better man than I, man. If I had. If I have fifty thousand dollars coming in every month, if I had a million dollars coming in every month, that doesn't mean I could spend it stupidly. You know, it just means that I have I'm being able to save. Because like, I get you. I, you can you can like it, it's living within means. I get it. You can you'll have the ability to do that. So why not? But 
there's also like why should you if you don't really need to regardless of how much money you make well everyone wants to spend differently like if i if i made a million dollars like i've known i know people that have a stupid amount of money and they're driving around a prius like why do you need like you can drive the most expensive you could drive a tesla or you know anything else but that's just their whole thought process is like why do i need to if i don't have to spend it like like if i this if this prius does the same job to get me to a and b why do i need to do it with you know a tesla that's going to cost a hundred thousand dollars more well the, the difference is the person driving that prius you're talking about probably doesn't make his money or her money based on people seeing them in a tesla so where like if you were a youtuber like it's content to buy a tesla or oh, a yeah. mclaren it's all right out too but like at the same time like it, it just depends like if you don't need to do it Mm, don't do it don't do do it right i mean everyone everyone has their own vices right like again if i made a million dollars a month i wouldn't buy cars i would pay someone like five thousand dollars a night to fluff my pillow and tuck me in all nice and like keep my shit warm like that's i I want some weird shit yeah no i get it like (laughs) there are people that do stuff like it's fun too but like (laughs) i just think you know there's there's always ways to handle things i don't know don't Mm. name names yeah but tell me the weirdest shit you've seen anyone spend money on outside of that ten dollar post made for a one dollar eminent the weirdest the shit. weirdest shit. Um, that made you roll your eyes like i can't believe you transacted money for that oh this is kind of this is good but i'm like I'm trying to think think about it dog um all right Uh-oh. so when it, Name names weird, too if you want. No, no, I'm not gonna name <laughs> names. But uh, a life, a life size bobblehead of themselves. Of, of no, of Allen Iverson and the Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> How much did it cost? I don't. Uh, it that thing must have cost a couple thousand dollars. A life size bobblehead of Allen Iverson. So like, like a foot tall. No, life size. Like, <laughs> Alan Iverson's short. Yeah, but, but I get what you. is he? What, how tall is he? Nah, no? he's six. That's a serious. That's a serious. I've never seen a life size bobblehead act. Now you mm-hmm. say it. That's crazy. Chair, do you think the the money in video games is fickle? And as much as there are tons of people in your clan having tons of success with tons of revenue, with brand deals and YouTube ads and things like that, like to me. To me, gaming looks scary, and here's why. A dozen major advertisers backed out of YouTube again in this this next wave, right? So advertisers like Disney pulling out their ads because of YouTube being not brand safe. Agencies kind of shrugged because this is like the ninth time that's happened, but we're talking about major advertising getting pulled. On top of that, what Fortnite has done to the gaming community and how it pulled seemingly players from every game and and consolidated its power to this like game like if I was a gamer that dedicated myself to PUBG and then I watch all this stuff happening with Fortnite is the revenue tied to my PUBG streams and tied to my PUBG content like overnight being overturned because the interest is, has just shifted in a yeah. completely new direction? Same with Overwatch was Blizzard was killing it, right? Mm. 
they're now they're now writing losses because they can't they now can't catch up fast enough. And I'm just like, again, the gamer who's making fifty thousand dollars a month, like. There's no, I don't think there's a guarantee there's, that that's going to happen year after year. It's hard, it's hard to year. feel like there's a guarantee, but it's hard to not by the growth of how just everything's evolving. That's more of a YouTube issue, but there's now there's Twitch. There's still, there's other ways to monetize. You can, like when you guys have it like on Facebook Live, or mm. there's so much more other places to monetize besides YouTube. You know, even Instagram, you're able to monetize, not monetize per, you know, for yourself, but you get brand deals that come in and you can get, a great penny out of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you, you, yeah, you do get a little butt hurt when you see CPMs drop from what you were making to to what it, it can be after certain situations like what just happened where advertisements are big, huge advertisers are pulling their companies from them. But there's they have so many avenues to make money now. It's like it's not like i feel like youtube as a sense need they need to step it up as a company to look more into how they they can keep their creators and and like obviously they they don't they they're gonna make their money regardless but if they want to like get in a like a positive perspective again they need to figure a way to to get more with the content creators and and instead of the content creators trying to figure out what's going on with youtube because youtube is just the one that you know, they're the ones they've been making mistakes. There's a lot of people that are upset with going on what's going on with YouTube, um, and they just they're a lot of people just stick to what they, you know. They'll switch onto Twitch and have their episodes off of that, or like just like like Facebook is tough. Facebook because Facebook is more of an older um, generation platform. You don't see a lot of kids excited to talk about anything on Facebook, but it's still a huge. Um, revenue space where people you know can make a lot of good you know great money um but yeah i don't know it's tough it's it's i see i see people making like there's gonna be player contracts like there's gonna be like as esports is gonna have player contracts that are just as big as nfl contracts i believe it i believe and and just like for content creators it's just gonna be just as big are do gamers have a skill set that's transferable between games because that's not a thing in sports yeah. right well, yeah i mean think about ninja he was a great halo player mm-hmm. and h1 um z1, z1. Mm-hmm. and then fortnite he blew up same with tifu uh tifu's considered actually he's part of phase was considered a better player than ninja in fortnite it's just his um it just ninja was just like a more at you bigger brand bigger brand I ask that because does does that insulate you as like a really dope gamer to be able to game for a long time, even if Apex Legends comes out two weeks ago it's and tough. now becomes the biggest video game in the world? It's tough because you have to adjust. You have to adjust to each game, and then as you get older, thing you just like in anything, any type of profession. Like your, your eyesight, you're going to need something to protect your eyesight. You know, and just your reaction times are slower. Because you got these kids that are 12, 13, 15, you know, 14, 15, that are just, they're beasts. Like you, you, I see some kids now playing the games and 
they're building you know on their controller and i'm like i can't even do that on, on the controller i can do it on a pc but i can't do it on a controller and they're like just tapping away just building up crazy that's that's I, i'm i'm curious about that longevity for for video gamers like if and how how that is the sports was interesting about the eyesight like a lot of people are like yo dude if you're in your yeah, 30s you're gonna need insurance for your hands no seriously like because think about it hey all right you're making millions of dollars off of playing a video oh, game like on PC uh-huh. and whatnot. What if you go on a trip or vacation and you broke a hand, like you fell, like something tragically happened to you, like, and you can't perform the same way? Shit. What do you do? Your revenue stream is gone. It's it's gone. And you know if it's not if you're never the same again, like all this stuff, like it's just like in anything, like you got to make sure you, you know once you're this type of uh, personality or player, like. You got to be careful of what you do and and make sure you, like I say get an insurance cuz you never know. You never know. Especially if you like you try to act recklessly on a like I say a skit, a video, or, like mm-hmm. you're trying to be cool and all of a sudden boom. You can't do that. You can't you can't stream uh, for a month. And that's intense cuz like streamers, they have to stay consistent. Cuz once they slow down, they, they like you lose you like, lose your audience. You lose your audience. That's a grueling dollar oh, to tough. make too. It's tough, but it's it's very profitable too. Like say you get all these Amazon Prime members that you get your free subscription a month, so they keep on choosing you because you know they like your content. But like if you're not, they're not gonna you're gonna lose that. All right, I know we're butting up on time, but I, I potentially good question is if the kids and the people that follow you tune in and see how dope being a face clan is mm. being a being a gamer is they're kind of figuring out how much time to devote to video gaming as a career social media as a career you got any tips and tricks for them stuff to look out for stuff to do not do words of wisdom to um, part with i mean words of wisdom i mean just like in everything don't always put like i mean i i, I say just people want to just have like this instant like celebrity or fame and they do whatever it takes but they don't understand the grind behind it i just say just like to know how would i say this because it's very it's very hard to like to say for people like you can do this and you can do that but for growing kids like people listening that want to become a youtuber or a streamer or even when i'm in the base situation of like helping manage and cooking for people or whatnot just like in anything just just be dedicated to it, but don't dedicate it to the point where you're not completing everything else you need to do as your growth process. Like schooling. Some people are like, I don't want to go to school now because I can make millions off of YouTube making these videos. Yeah, it's cool, but you don't know you don't you don't know what else can happen in the next five or six years. So grow this A and B plan situation behind the scenes while you're doing everything. Go to school, complete all the stuff because you can still learn everything in media that you would need to know by, you know, learning from school and whatnot. But I'm not saying it's everything, but how can I say this? Um, I get you though. Yeah, you get it. I don't know. It's hard. It's, it it's, because this new age is so crazy. Like, you can become instantly famous off of the stupidest things. But I just think a lot for a lot of people that do it, they think that just by doing that, they're straight. No, you have to, you have to stay with the trends, and that's the tough part. I understand that it's not the easiest thing. So even for the guys that, that um, already made it, like the guys I work with, they have to continually stay with the trends of what's going on. 
Think about it. They they were they made it off a of cut, but they also had to make it off now Fortnite, CS, all these other games that and, and they have to try to understand the trends and and be a part of it. Even with the videos, like the, the, the skits, like the unboxing and all that stuff. Some of the guys they got tired of making YouTube videos because they didn't want to keep up with the trends because it's not them. So just always be as organic as possible if you want to grow something. Like like say you want to do your own YouTube channel, be as organic as possible. Um, yeah, and just try to be you because it's very exhausting trying to be, be something else that you're not. That's valuable. I like it. How you feel, Jeff? I feel good, man. I I, I do want to say that I think we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but I think online ordering online ordering on consoles should happen. We can't let that honestly, out. And I honestly <laughs> don't understand why it hasn't happened to a degree it just feels like so natural to me so the Um, idea of like you're on your xbox while you're on your xbox why doesn't like doordash have an app right yeah really and and again i I don't i'm not on these consoles enough to know they some of them might be there but i just i haven't heard of it and that just makes so much sense to me yeah i think they need to figure out a, a program app where like that you can do that like say it's like postmates uh you just pop up on your menu screen while you're playing you can just do it real quick you just like hit the menu screen into application just like how there's so many other applications on playstation for say and there's a it they already got you know where they have the, your location they already have your credit card like now that all it is all you do is click and select and there you go and you're back to your game i mean maybe the problem is though unless postmates doordash uber eats makes the application on the TV fundamentally different than what's on your phone, people might not see that mm. much immediate value. Mm. Now, I do like the idea of trying to intertwine food ordering more with gaming, and I think it can happen on a console. I don't have the answer for how, but right now, like if I want to order Postmates while I'm playing Fortnite, the idea of traping through a menu using my clunky xbox controller to like i mean it sounds bad or or as long as you set it up because here's here's how it would go down in my head executives of delivery companies is that you would have like go-to favorites exactly that you would just be like a shortcut away simple that's like just keep it as like double left trigger opens something up and you're just like get it and then it's and it's all and then it's just going to your door like that's what it would be like to me where it's the same app after you set it up, but you can do things on your controller to just your be hot like, list, yeah, sense. like I'm getting my favorite pizza delivered to my door every time I use this console like shortcut because that just seems like so much sense. To yeah, me. I think it, I I totally agree with that because um, you could you can have the app where if you click on the app itself, you can go through everything that you go through on a regular app uh, like say postmates you can go through the regular but say if you're playing you build up this hot like your like your favorites list where the menu just pops up right there and you can just scroll down like what the your favorite items are and just click it you just press x and then there you go like do you confirm boom and then you're back to your game it's it's i think it's that simple and then you what you were talking about like achievement wise mm, that's ballers they that can be that another out. interesting like imagine wise, postmates yeah. and like fortnite collab yeah. and it was like if you play and achieve this many things in fortnite you get a free delivery, free delivery. Yeah. like up to or 20 bucks even how many times like whatever times you've ordered from that app 
it'll help you. You know, what I'm in saying? Fortnite, vice versa, they can inform each other. Now yeah. that's now that's sexy. That's a true like symbiotic using each other's systems as opposed to I still. You know, if they just put the app on as is, I still don't think I would not just while I'm in my Fortnite loading screen, just double check phone. on my phone or hey Siri, order me some shit. Like, got that. But I love that idea of it's like actually intertwined partner up, yeah. With the game that you play so much. Or if it's like an entire ecosystem like Xbox. Yeah, like, I, I think I think it'll be more successful on a console aspect than a singular game. Because then think about it. If I get a console, then that means that anybody that has that console could do it. Because not everybody's going to play a certain game, you know? Mm. So if you have it on a console or say, you know, there's an app on your PC where it's whatever game you play, you reach a certain amount of achievements through anything, it just builds up in your gamer tag. Mm. And then from there, you use your gamer tag on the uh, account and it racks up all these points for food or whatever you want you know in that sense and then boom i beat this you know i i, I played a certain amount of hours some some games have like i played this game for eight hours you reach a certain achievement where that pops up they say hey you get a free pizza you know what i'm saying like it's something like that dude i think the costs can cover themselves too because imagine uh, and i'll just use like fortnite mm -hmm. and postmates as an example but if Fortnite is looking for people to use their game longer because that's how they make their money. If people play it longer and then purchase mm. additions, like, well, if you play longer, you're just an actual real world reward monetarily, but through Postmates. Mm. Like, you can actually eat cheaper oh, or for free. Play, play an hour, get a $5 code, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. That's really yeah. interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And then Postmates wins because that's your advertising. Yeah. Like, you, that $5 is just a cost in advertising that you're using through through Fortnite. And there's smart people on both sides of that equation that can that figure can out. That work for both yeah, sides. Yeah, they figure out the algorithm that balances it out. And that's how you get people using both of them longer. Damn, they really need to pay us three a lot more for what we do, <laughs> you know? Yeah. We're starting, we're creating these great ideas, guys. Come we're on. out here. I think we'll clip this. If this was on Twitch, we would clip this. Clip this. And then... Um, then we're, we're sending it to the, the heads up there. No. I think so. You know what, Izzy? I think this is an article you write from this episode. Yeah, I swear to God, I'm looking Ready right to cut now. the check, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's going to split one, one third, one third, one third. And then whatever that extra percentage is, Izzy, depending on how dope the article is, you can have that. That's a good percentage because cool. it's going to be a lot of money. I'm Are we good you. on this? Three-way oh, yeah. handshake? Three-way handshake. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um... Chayo, thanks for stopping by, man. Appreciate no, you. Man, I'm, I'm so happy. Um, I feel like this this conversation can go on can go on for hours. I mean, I love talking. So, where, bro? Conversation porn, guys. Thank you yeah, for listening to the catch up. <laughs> Jeff, where can people follow you? At Jeffrey Cutnick on uh, Twitter and Instagram. You guys can follow me at Book of Eli on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Cheo, where can people find you? You can bro? find me at, at FaceCheo on Instagram, um, Twitter, and then my Snapchat is ChaoMCB. This guy's live on Snapchat, guys. Thank you again for listening. Please do leave those reviews on wherever you listen to this podcast. We appreciate you, Castbox, iTunes, everything. And until next week, bye. Bye, Later, guys. guys. <laughs>